Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I'm your host, Curveball, and I am here with Steve the Jazz Man. And today we're going to be talking about his story, how he got the name Steve the Jazz Man, and how he got started in radio. Steve, thank you for joining me today. Sure, glad to be here. Let's start off by telling everybody kind of who you are and a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, I'm a native of Wichita, Kansas, and uh, graduated from uh, Wichita State University with a degree in uh, speech with radio, TV, as the areas I focused on, which, you know, obviously makes a lot of sense. But then I went on after working in the broadcast field for uh, about three years uh, out of college, wound up uh, going to work for what is now Intrust Bank and worked in the bank card division. And uh, then I wound up going into HR for a few years. And then all of a sudden I found myself <laughs> in, uh, involved in uh, reviewing the bank telephone system. I had a committee that was formed with someone from different departments and I loved it. And so I wound up moving into a position where I administered uh, the telephone system for the bank, <clears throat> you know, programmed all the phones, you know, the desk phones and the voicemail and that type of thing. And then it expanded into uh, well, more, more data than just voice. And I got into actually handling the high-speed data circuits between uh, the bank locations in three states, the ATM circuits and that type of thing. And basically wound up putting in about 38 years uh, there before I officially uh, quit having to go to a day job. <clears throat> and during the time when I was finishing up college and I got out of college, I worked for a small country music station here in town and did the midday shift for a while and then afternoon drive. And it was at that time when the owners made some pretty poor decisions and basically ruined the station that I jumped ship and went to work for the bank. But in 1989, uh, one of the people that I worked for at, uh, at the country music station um, called me up and uh, well, Steve McIntosh, who is on KNSS in the mornings now, and he wanted to know if I wanted to be on the radio again. And I said, doing what? And he said, I need somebody to help me do severe weather coverage, evenings and overnights and on weekends. And, of course, being a ham radio operator, I've been a ham radio operator since 1972. And so I did that from 89 until 2002. And it was not, not really a bad gig, but yet on the other hand, it was very stressful because 
Sometimes I was not able to even participate in family events because if there was potential of severe weather or we had weather in the area, I had to stay home and work. And then sometimes if weather would develop late at night, you know, midnight, one, two in the morning, whatever, I'd have to be on the radio. And then I still had to get up and go to my, my job at the bank. So it got to be kind of grueling. And then it all kind of, as radio does, it all kind of came to an end <laughs> in 2002. <clears throat> but that, by that time, I, um, I, was, uh, I had begun doing some experimenting with doing internet radio with uh, uh, the American Council of the Blind, ACB Radio Interactive. I started doing a jazz show on there and kind of got my feet wet there and uh, reached out and made some contacts with some record promoters and you know a few of the major uh, labels that were promoting jazz music and got on some mailing lists and sort of began to grow the library and once things kind of blew up for me in 2002, I was, uh, had stopped by B98 one day and was talking to the program director, who I knew. And uh, I, you know, I was just trying to talk him into letting me maybe do some severe weather stuff for him because I thought, well, maybe that's the only thing I could do. And I don't, all of a sudden, I don't know how it came out of my mouth, but all of a sudden my mouth said, or... I could do a jazz show for you. And he says, a jazz show? I said, yeah, maybe Sunday. And he goes, I've been wanting to do a jazz show. And in five minutes, we had a deal. I mean, he knew me. He, I didn't have to do an air check or anything. He just, he just said, okay. And we had a deal. And so in, in November of 03, I started doing the Sunday morning uh, jazz show on uh, B98 FM, all, you know, and, and every Sunday, and that is still going today. And thank goodness. <laughs> and, so let's talk about that. Um, you you say okay. you didn't know if you could do it. Um, explain to people. You know, you you were doing all this stuff, working at the bank, getting kicked off in radio, and you're blind. Yes. And how did how did you manage to do all this stuff? Because I know what a lot of blind people say about radio is that. A lot of it's gone touchscreen now, so it's difficult to do. How did you manage to do all the ATM stuff with the bank and do your stuff that you do in radio? Well, with the bank, of course, um, everything essentially, you know, I, I could get to access to what I needed to on the computer. I could program the desktop telephones uh, on the computer. There's the system that I used was accessible. And the uh, voicemail machine that I could log into back in those days, you used a modem. Oh my gosh. Anyway, um, it, it was a hundred percent accessible. Everything worked fine. Uh, now, when it came to the actual circuits, then I just had to rely on, on my database, you know, with all the circuit IDs. And if I had a problem, then I would pull up that circuit and, I had, you know, I had the circuit ID number, then I could call in a trouble report and then pass along, you know, I've got a problem with such and such a circuit, have them check it out. And I, I developed a friendship with several people inside uh, the uh, telephone company, which is now known as AT&T. And uh, 
you know, actually got to where we would occasionally get together for lunch or maybe go for a couple of beers after work. And, you know, there were probably three or four times that, you know, some of these guys that, you know, worked in the central office that program stuff, they'd actually call me and, and uh, say, okay, I've been messing with this for two hours and I can't figure it out. You got it working. What am I doing wrong? And so, you know, they'd tell me and I'd, I'd say, okay, you need to, you need to put, you know, maybe it's, you need to put a 10 digit phone number in there, not a seven digit, you know, something, something strange like that. But it was, it was cool to get to know those people. And, um, and so we, we did that. And so actually I didn't really have much trouble with accessibility until the conversion was made to uh, the Cisco voice over IP system. And then accessibility just flat went out the window. It was not accessible at all. And uh, that was a pretty rough time. And then through some upgrades, then things became accessible because everything basically converted to what appeared to be a web page. And so everything was there, but the, uh, the amount of information on that screen was unbelievable. Uh, I can't even begin to tell you how many settings there are for a desktop voice over IP phone. There are hundreds of settings that you can do. And I was just beginning to try to get my feet wet and get that under my belt and begin to understand things when uh, you know basically my job came to an end so i officially retired so how did you navigate the radio world being visually impaired uh were things uh all touch screen as they they might be now or, or were they kind of like more accessible than they are now well what's interesting with internet radio it's all on your computer um Everything is on the computer. Uh, for my small studio, I have a small mixer where I roll my microphone through it. And then I've, uh, my best friend is a broadcast engineer. So he wired me up the interface from uh, a uh, telephone. So I've got uh, the ability to pull phone line audio right off of there. And it's good and clean and sounds good. I can take audio from auxiliary sources, whether it be a cell phone or you know, whatever. So I can feed different sources through that mixer. And then that all feeds into the software that, uh, that I use to actually do the broadcasts on the uh, internet radio stations. And that software, I'm, I'm actually using a rather old software package because it does an excellent job and it does a really nice job of a lot of things, you know, mixing the music together. However, they have over the years slowly moved to a totally graphical interface and the version of this software now that runs on Windows 10 is not accessible at all. And I've been in communication with them. Unfortunately, this company is in Australia, so I can't call them. It's all email, which I don't like, but I'm waiting now to see if they will get back. I, I've asked them if they'd make a simple change in that. Give me a classic view. 
go back to this version of the software, give me a classic view, and then I can run that version on the Windows 10 computer. And because right now under my desk, I have four computers because of, of trying to keep everything accessible and working. And if I could get to the point where I could run Windows 10, I could get down to two computers, but that's a whole nother story. But so I'm using, I'm just using this software and for the, uh, the radio station, it has gone through several changes. Um, I do the program from my studio at my house. So accessibility still is not a problem because I'm still running. Uh, I've got one computer running Windows 7. And then strangely enough, I've got one computer running uh, XP, which supports some of the older software that I'm still using till I can get this company to make some changes. And I know people are thinking that's probably crazy, but I think XP was one of the best window packages that Microsoft had out there. It was clean. It was straightforward. It just had some security holes in it. And that's why I got pushed to the side. But so I'm still able to use that software. And for oh, several years, I actually used a, uh, an app on my, my iPhone because since I was, it gets kind of complicated, but since I'm not an employee, I'm a contract person, they would not provide me access to the building because on Sunday, there's nobody there. And well, there used to be an engineer there and he and I worked together quite nicely, but now with all the cutbacks over the last few years, there's nobody there. So there's no engineer there because I used to just send the music in and then it got played and I used this app on my phone. So I would basically back announce a, uh, you know, a segment and I could give, uh, you know, current information about, you know, the, the temperature and the weather. And if I was giving away something, uh, then I could announce the winner's name. And, you know, it, in other words, it was almost live. And yeah, it's got was, voice tracking. Well, it kind of, but I mean, it, it, I had certain timing parameters. I had to get it done in certain t time elements because then it picked that stuff up within seconds after I recorded it and put it on the system and it ran live on the air. And that worked fine as long as the engineer was there. But then when they got rid of the engineer, then they said, you know, you can't use that anymore because the company that, that supported that app, they quit supporting it. So they dumped it and they said, well, there's no support, so you can't use that anymore. So right now, until they replace the engineer and get somebody back in the studio, I've got to record my show and then send, send it into the station and it loads automatically and plays. It's just part of the mess of COVID-19 that I'm having to deal with. Right now, as you know, I just graduated broadcasting school. So uh, I use station playlist studio for my internet radio shows, but do you think, um, with the way radio has evolved over the years, do you think a blind person could go into a traditional radio studio to um, actually work in the station? Why or why not? 
I hate to say it, no. It's going to be almost impossible. Uh, without, you know, without having a sighted person there, it's going to be almost impossible these days. Because everything is geared with with touch screens and I mean if if I physically go into the radio station I can't run anything uh, if I if I go in and need to produce commercials you know I go into the studio and sit down and one of the other guys actually runs the mixer and and you know does that kind of thing for me so uh, it's it's unfortunate but the other downside to uh, what's happening in radio today is, you know, these big corporations are all downsizing. And it is, it is getting harder and harder and harder for anybody to get a job in radio, whether you're fully sighted or blind or whatever the case may be. I mean, I, I have, I have been trying for years to find another radio station that would let me, you know, produce a Sunday morning jazz show for them. And, you know, with the economy, the way it is, and with, you know, everybody cutting back and all these corporations controlling things, I've, I've just had to give up. It's just not, I mean, I was running myself ragged talking to these different people. And unfortunately, all people want to do is they, they either want to do, you know, uh, you know, say uh, hot AC or country, the new country, uh, maybe a rap station, you know, and there was, they don't want to do anything outside of, you know, four or five formats. And that's really unfortunate because there's a lot of great music out there that is never getting airplay that doesn't get a chance because it doesn't fall into one of these designated blessed formats. Well, um, how, how can a blind person make money in radio? You know, you can't work at a traditional radio station. I've done, I'm doing internet radio now, but unless you have a station that has sponsors, you know, you're doing it for free. So what, what ways uh, could somebody who was blind, because I've had a lot of blind friends that have said, hey, I, I'm in radio too. You're going to broadcasting school. I gave up because the stuff is touchscreen. So how could a blind person make any money in internet radio, especially with the way things are now? The only way anybody could make money in internet radio is you have to have listeners. And it takes a lot of time and effort to build a listener base. And it's, it's tough to make money in internet radio. And, and the reason why it's tough is because you've got so many sources for music out there now. And you know, forget all the, you know, forget all the great internet radio stations that are out there. And there's some pretty cool ones, but you've got your Spotify, you've got Pandora, you've got, you know, Apple music and Amazon music and, you know, whatever else music that's out there. 
And the, the, the trick or the key is when you do start an internet station or do a show on an internet station, you've got to give people a reason to listen. If you're just going to sit there and play music and announce the songs, that's not reason to listen. Uh, I am doing a couple of shows on an internet radio station, uh, Legend Oldies Radio. And uh, Monday evenings, uh, 7 until 9 p.m. Central Time, I do a show um, that I'm calling Studio 39. And it mainly features music from the 70s and 80s. And every show has a feature story that I pull from different podcasts that I listen to. And recently, for example, it was a speech by Annie Glenn, John Glenn's uh, widow. And it told about her disability. And, and then I also include a short monologue segment about five minutes long toward the beginning of the show where I, over the week, I gather some short news stories and I try to pick things that typically aren't in the news. And so I, I include those stories and depending on the topic, I'll take listener calls, I'll take requests, uh, and that I'm, I'm, I've been doing that show now. I can't even think when I started it. <laughs> I, I think, isn't that terrible? I cannot remember when I started doing that show again. I want to say I started it last summer, last July or August. And after doing it for you know, a little over a year, I am just now starting to see a few more people discovering the show. I mean, I put it up on Facebook and, uh, you know, through an email list and that type of thing. But one of the biggest problems that I have with internet radio is trying to convince people to shut the television off and listen to the radio again. And that is that is a huge problem because there are so many people that are so addicted to the television. I can't tell you how many people I know they walk, they get home, they walk in, they turn the TV on. They have no intention of watching it. It's just got to be on. And then, but then there are other people that literally have a schedule of shows they record. And I was, I'm, I was with breakfast with some people the other morning and one of the, one of the old guys, I mean, he's a retired guy. He said, he's got so many shows recorded that he doesn't know if he'll ever have time to watch them all. And so people are addicted to television and I just, I mean, I don't have cable TV and, and it just blows people's minds. You know, that you don't have cable. Well, how do you get your TV shows? I said, I don't, and I don't care because most of the stuff on television is pure crap as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, trying to get people to uh, pull away and not watch that TV is hard. 
I do to contrast at Monday nights. I said, I do seven to 9 PM. I do that variety show. And then on Friday, because, you know, back in the seventies in college, and I was getting out of college, I worked for that country music station. If I'm going to listen to country music, I like the classic country. I don't like this new stuff at all. And so on Friday, I do a, a two hour classic country show and I've got a brother-in-law and sister-in-law. They love country music. I got them to listen one time and they loved it. They thought it was great, but will they turn off their television to, to listen to me? No, got to have that TV on. So it's a battle to get listeners and the only way you're really going to get listeners on an internet station, again, is to give people a reason to listen. And you'll have to spend a lot of time and effort promoting it. Uh, probably going to cost you some money to really promote it heavily and to try to get the word out somehow. And I'm not going to spend money to get the word out because me doing these internet shows Part of it is with the COVID stuff. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm probably got a little more time on my hands that I really want, and so I'm I'm doing the shows and they're fun. And if my lifestyle changes, and I don't have time to do them anymore, you know, I may drop one. I may have to drop both of them. But um, I just I try to put out a product every week on both shows, the country show and the one on Monday evening <clears throat> that is going to give people, it's just going to give people a little reason to listen. For example, I subscribe to Apple news and I, I look, I have several sources and, and a couple of country music news sources. And what I do is I try to come up with for the country show on Friday, I try to come up with five stories and I mean, they could be simple. Uh, one that I did recently was kind of cracked me up. I was talking about how Dolly Parton wants to be on the cover of Playboy magazine for her 75th birthday in January. And, you know, I talk about that a little bit and then I play a Dolly Parton song. So, you know, I, I try to tie music to the stories and it's kind of fun to do. So my cousin who lives down in Houston, Texas, summed it up real good after, you know, I can, you know, I got her listening to the, her and her husband listening to the show on Monday night. And she says, you know, it's just like the old days when people used to sit around the radio in the living room, you know, this is before television. You sit around the radio and you, it, the family would all be there and you listen to the radio. And she said, that's what your show is like on Monday nights. And she said, you don't get to hear people doing radio anymore as far as talking. And because sometimes I'll, I'll just get an idea and I'll just start talking. And it might go into a rant where I, I, you know, climb on my, uh, virtual soapbox and sort of unload. But then on the other hand, I, you know, I could just talk about memories about something. It could be something that a song would remind me of. Uh, I don't go in with a plan. 
I just, I, I play it by ear and some, some weeks I talk a lot, other weeks, not much. It just depends on what's going on in the world and, you know, how I feel. So, but as far as making money on internet radio, that is a tough one. It's tough for anybody because you're not going to get anybody willing to spend money on advertising unless you can get a sizable number and you can use almost any number you want, but you know, let's just say you've got a thousand people listening. That may be enough. Uh, some, some of the big companies, you know, you may have to have 10,000 people listening. So, but to get to that point, it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of effort in promoting your show, but using the station playlist software that you are using, that's, that may be what I'll have to switch to if the software I am using, if they don't get their stuff converted so it's accessible. And with over 40,000 songs in my library now, the thought of converting those from the format that this software needs back to MP3, that just scares me. I mean, it's, it can all be automatic, but my goodness, it's just going to take a lot of time. And Right, and uh, Station Playlist <laughs> does take uh, several formats. They oh, do. yeah, they do. So, yeah, they, they, and, uh, they do. It's very accessible. But, it, but uh, like, like, for example, on my shows, what I'll do is uh, on certain songs, I'll give the the peak, um, what they peaked at on the charts in the year and, and different information about them. I'll, I'll kind of do that. And people seem to like that as well. Oh, yeah. Whenever you can do a little trivia, it's fun. And, you know, the best source of trivia is I don't want to say her name because I'll activate speakers all over the world. You know, the A lady. <laughs> right. And, you know, you know, just say, for example, I'm getting ready to play. Uh, well, OK, song Get Together by the Yardbirds. So I'll just ask her, when was that released? And she'll tell me what year it is that I can grab the 1967 jingle, put it right in front of that song and play it. And, you know, throw a little trivia like that. And that adds a lot to the show. So are you but, just doing, are you just doing internet radio or are you doing any kind of voiceover work? Cause I know you got that voiceover type voice. I have not had any luck in doing any voiceover for any stations. Again, everybody's cutting back. All of these corporations are cutting it back as lean and mean as they can get it. And, you know, other than my show on Sunday mornings, I'm just doing the internet stuff for fun. And I, I, I do have some connections with one uh, local advertising agency here in town. And I have helped them do produce a few commercials. And uh, during, the, during the pandemic here, most of the people at the, there are four radio stations out there that I'm, that I'm connected with, that, you know, they're owned by iHeart just about everybody is working from home and 
you know, the chief engineer and the operations manager, really the only two people in the building. And uh, the gentleman, this production director, you know, he's a good friend of mine. And he called me one day and he said, I got a problem. And I said, oh man, you're desperate. You're calling me. And he said, I've got two clients that they record their commercials over the phone. And he said, but I don't have any equipment in my studio. I can't do phone stuff. I said, well, let me do it for you. So, you know, I worked, they were, they were both car dealers. And so I worked with both of them and it just so happened that both of the guys had iPhones. So we were able to use FaceTime. And so I had darn near studio quality off of their iPhones. And so, you know, I produced their commercials and, you know, I had their jingle and I put everything together and sent it to my friend and boom, it's on the radio. And it really, it sounded good. I was, I was really pleased with the way those came out. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get other work, but it is so competitive out there. There are so many radio people out of work. And so you've got so many people trying to do voiceover work and trying to do production work. And it's, it's a field that is just hard to crack. And I'm so thankful. I've got a little tiny, tiny little piece of it that I'm holding on to and uh, trying to do whatever I can to, to save it. And with the jazz show, we have, um, we work with an upscale shopping center here in, in town called Bradley fair. And we do outdoor concerts every June. Now, we, of course, we couldn't have them this year, but those concerts started in 2000, and we'll do uh, uh, six of those a year. And it's um, a lot of work because not only do I interview every artist that's going to be doing a show, which I put on my radio show, but I produce. Uh, music mixes that the sound people play uh, on the sound system before the show. Uh, Sound check is usually around 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon. And when that's over, then they start playing the music that I produce with appropriate messages. And then that rolls right up till showtime at 7.30. And then uh, I, I get to go on stage with somebody from the radio station and we, the both of us, then we MC the shows. And it's quite an experience to be up on a stage in front of 4,000 people and doing your thing. But uh, I've, I've gotten used to it. I was extremely nervous the first few times I did it. But um, the one thing that I will say is, has been real interesting on the radio station. I have never one time mentioned that I am visually impaired. Now, out at the venue where we're doing the concerts, I've got oh anywhere from 10 to 14 pages of Braille information about sponsors and prizes we're giving away, special announcements that the shopping center wants us to make and that type of thing. And, you know, some people have, you know, figured out, that, you know, what's going on. And a few people have come up and asked me questions, you know, okay, can I feel the braille? I've never, you know, what's it feel like? You know, and that's fine. But on air, I've never made one comment about it. And 
I just, uh, I just kind of keep going. Uh, the first time, this is funny. The first time that I was to MC a show, you know, I got up there and I was talking with, you know, my contact from the shopping center and I asked her, I said, well, you know, is there a, you know, table or anything up here I can put my braille on? And she said, uh, no. So I just have to, you know, put it on my little, on my belly and, and read it. You know, they put a wireless microphone in front of me on a stand. So I don't have to hold a microphone because there's no way I could hold a microphone and hold the braille and read it and turn pages. It just wouldn't happen. But uh, I work close with the sound guys and they just put a wireless mic on a stand in front of me. And then uh, I go up there and, and uh, you know, just go through the material and, and do it. So I've tried my best to become as efficient as possible. And I'll tell you with the, uh, the changes that are happening with music, and well, with, you know, the a lady and, and everything else that's happening, preparing music and getting things on the air is a lot easier than it used to be. Uh, about 50% of my uh, music today, I download direct from record labels that provide it to me. And the number of CDs that I actually get in the mail is dropping dramatically because it used to be a real problem to try to identify the CDs and to know who it is and get the track information. And, uh, you know, fortunately I did have some sighted help with doing some of that, but um, now you just have to ask your phone, what's the song? And it'll tell you almost all the time what you're listening to. So I can identify songs on new CDs and I can get track listings and, you know, that type of thing real easy. And so identifying the music now is so much easier than it used to be. So I'm, I'm using new, you know, the new technology, so to speak, to get all that done. And that really helps. So um, I don't know what other questions might you have. Just a couple of more. What, what okay. advice would you give somebody who's looking to break into radio or who uh, is aspiring to get into radio these days? What advice would you give them? Well, assuming that, okay, let's, say, let's take it two ways. If you're low vision, you got to make sure you have a way that you can read regular print without, without any problems. You know, if you're using magnifiers or whatever, you know, CCTVs or whatever the case may be, you got to be able to read the print and do it in such a way that you don't let your papers get in the way of your microphone. So you got to have access to the print. Uh, because they're not, they're not going to provide you with material in a special format. If you are blind or visually impaired, you better be a Braille reader and, and a good Braille reader because uh, 
you know, say for example, if they want me to do a commercial, they'll send me the, you know, the copy in email. And then, you know, I grab it and run it through the Braille translation software for software and print it out in Braille. And uh, man, I'm telling you, they, these people that write these commercials anymore try to squeeze about 45 seconds of material into a 30 second spot. And you've really got to be able to read that Braille and read it fast. And it's, it's a challenge. But you're 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 you know, you're just not gonna if you're blind and you're not a braille reader, you might as well forget it. You've got to be able to read braille and read it good. It's got to be efficient, and you've got to have access to it, or you're not gonna make it because there's so much material you have to go through. And it also has to be you have to be able to read efficient enough to where you're not rushing. You're reading it, you know how you need to read it, but you're not just rushing to it like this. Right, and. Uh, I know sometimes what I do, and especially on these commercials, when they put too much copy in, and I don't know why they do this, because I think a commercial is more effective if you can speak at a decent rate, because I'm not sure people listen that closely when you're going 90 miles an hour. But, you know, oftentimes what I'll do is one or two sentences, and then I will pause and just kind of get my breath and then, uh, you know, get everything in place. And then just, you know, I breathe through them and just, you know, hit the next sentence or two. And then when it comes time to edit, I put it all together and you know, I can get, I get a lot closer to making it all fit. Uh, because most radio stations, if for example, it's a 30 second commercial, they'll, they'll let you fudge. You can get maybe to 32 maybe 33 seconds, not much more than that. But if you're, if you're doing commercials, uh, say the audio for commercials that are going to be aired on television, there's no fudge. Because I work with one client that uh, they take the audio that I produce with him and then that's sent over to the TV station and they put the video with it. And there's no fudging it, you know, if it's a 30 second commercial, it can't be 30 seconds and, you know, two tenths of a second, 30.02, nothing. It has to be, you know, 30 seconds is the max. So they, they say, try to stop, you know, try to get it at 29.5 seconds. And so you, you know, you're not up against that hard wall. So there's a lot of effort in, production to try to get things squeezed down and especially if they're putting too much content in it's it's a challenge because most of the people that write the commercials aren't on-air people they're you know they're just writing them and you can't you can't gauge how long a commercial is going to be if you sit there and read it to yourself you have to say it out loud and 99.9 percent of the people won't say it out loud or well, real quick um so so my listeners can listen to you if they'd like uh give a quick rundown of your shows and where people can listen and connect with you okay on uh, sunday morning it's on from 9 a.m until 12 noon central time and uh, if you use your iheart app or ask the a lady or google or siri or you know whatever to play uh, uh either k r b b is 
kilowatt Romeo Bravo Bravo KRBB or 97.9 B98FM. It should play it just fine for you. It's streamed on the internet all over the world. Um, on uh, the internet station on Monday evening, 7 until 9 central. On uh, Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. central. Uh, and I also actually do a jazz show on Saturday on the internet radio station. Kind of a, a different version of what I do on Sunday. And the difference is on the internet radio station, I can get away with playing a lot longer tracks uh, than I can on the radio station. But that is on from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Time. All three of those shows are on Legend Oldies Radio. And again, you can ask the A-Lady, Google, Siri to play Legend Oldies Radio. And it's on TuneIn if you have that app on your phone. Or you can just go to the website legendoldies.com and listen on your computer. So that's, uh, that's the different ways you can listen on the internet to, uh, to that kind of thing as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Steve Bauer, a.k.a. Steve the Jazz Man. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. You bet, man. Glad to be it. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.